You're listening to a Stranger podcast, www.thestranger.com. Hey, everybody, welcome to the latest installment of the Savage Lovecast, the once a week out loud version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. The number here, 206 201 2720. And you download the podcast every week at thestranger.com slash savage. Uh, we got tons of calls. We're going to get right to the messages. Hello. Um, um, well, my situation is I'm, I'm in a very repressive religious situation. Um, my school, my work, housing, my life is controlled by it. And there's really no way out and no safety nets. But my main problem with it is that it's made me into a liar. Um, my whole life, I've sort of prided myself on being an honest person and especially not lying to, the, to those that I love and that I trust. And being in a situation has turned me into someone who has to lie at essentially every turn. I don't like the person I've become because of it. And I'm, I'm not entirely sure what to do. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? Um, I'm okay. Is this the time you can talk? Uh, yes, sir, it is. Okay. Don't call me sir unless you're wearing a dog collar and you're on your knees in my apartment. Uh, what? Just kidding. Um, so tell me about, can you give me a, a few more specifics about why you feel so trapped? Um, well, it's it's just a situation of, of what I have to do in life, or like kind of family and religion is involved too. Mm-hmm. Are you gay? Yes. And you're you're not out? No, not at all. Okay. Are you married? No. Okay, Thank well... Goodness. Thank goodness, yeah, it's a lot less complicated than it could be. <laughs> um, exactly. What Can I ask you what religion we're talking about here? Um, LDS, Mormon. Okay, well, my good friend Dave's boyfriend is a Mormon, <laughs> uh, an ex-Mormon and a descendant of a Mormon saint or somebody or other. Uh, so, it, you, you know, escape from Mormonism is possible. You just have to have the cojones to up and do it. And the longer you wait, the, the longer you're going to be living this lie that you're living now, and the harder it's going to be, right? Correct. When you do what you know you need to do, which is live with a little integrity, be who you are, and tell your family and friends the truth, right? Well, uh, the, the problem is I don't, I don't exactly have a safety net. I don't have the ability, like... I would love to have the integrity to say, you know. Well, what do you mean you by can't. what do you mean by you don't have the sa- uh, safety net? Um, everything in my life right now is essentially connected to being a good straight Mormon boy. Right, which is how, uh, how the Mormon Church intentionally uh, constructs its culture. You know, they're Mormon-owned um, businesses and. You know, the Mormon church tries to wrap itself around every aspect of a Mormon person's life to control that person. You won't be the first person who has left home with nothing and struck out to a new city to make a new life without a safety net. You know? That's true. I guess I just never really felt I had the ability to do that. You told, go get on a bus, <laughs> drive away, go to a new city, find somebody that you can be the roommate of, get a job pulling coffee somewhere in a bar in a coffee shop and exhale and take a minute 
You know what I mean? To think about what you want to do with yourself and what jobs you're qualified for. Can I ask you how old you are? I'm 23. All right. Stop fucking around. <laughs> you know, don't you don't want to waste your whole fucking life living a lie and lying to your friends and family. There are support groups for Mormons who are leaving the church, for specifically also for gay Mormons. There are support groups for Mormon families with gay children. You know, oftentimes when you feel trapped in the closet, to borrow, you know, that stupid song's name, when you feel trapped... You want to make your, you know, you want to make your situation feel somehow noble, and your suffering you want to magnify to basically excuse yourself from taking any action. You know, oh, my family will hate me, and my job is with the church, and my whole life is a church, and I'm trapped, and it's this towering tragedy, and oh, woe is me, and no one has suffered quite like I've suffered. A lot of people have suffered like you've suffered. And there's a way out if you have the courage to take it. And you know what? You're going to take it sooner or later. Clearly, there's already cracks. That's why you call. That's why you're listening to this skeezy podcast, which I'm sure is not allowed by the church that you're enslaved to at the moment. The cracks are there. You're already taking your baby steps out. You just need to really take the first big step. You live in Utah? Yes, sir. You know what? There's not a fence around the border of Utah. You don't need a passport signed by the elders of the Mormon Church to leave home and to move away and to leave fucking Utah. And there are jobs. Please stop calling me sir. That makes me so nervous. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I, I grew up in the South. It's just, if I don't, it's, I feel so wrong. <laughs> well, okay, you can call me sir then. Um, but there's a way out. And you know, you know, you know it. You have the Internet. You're downloading this podcast. Search ex-Mormon gay on Google. You'll find other people like you. You'll find a community of people who want to reach out to you and give you a hand. Do you know any other gay people? Actually, um, the person who suggested calling you is actually a friend of mine, ex-Mormon gay guy. Okay, what do you, um, you... You have every resource. You know, there were Mormons... Before you, gay Mormons who were coming out and leaving the church when there was no internet, no information, no ex-gay Mormon groups, no support groups for Mormon families who had who have gay children, there was nothing. And they found the courage to stand up. They found a way out. You have a lot of support out there. If you just have the courage to go and tap it. And if you've got a gay friend and you've got the internet and you're not tied up in your mom's basement, you can be free. Very true. Are their hearts going to break? Good. They should. Because reality needs to bring your family into conflict with the fantasy that is their faith. And that's one of the blessings of having gay children, is the reality of your flesh and blood, your child staring you in the face, can open people's eyes to the fallacies that are contained in all religions. And the fallacy, in my opinion, that is religion. But, you know, you can be a religious Mormon fag if you want to. I'm not telling you you have to, like, abandon your faith to be who you are. You can reconcile them. Some people do. But, in the long run, your coming out is going to help your family see that there is more out there in the world than imagined in their fanciful philosophy. You know, one thing you have going for you, not being a Protestant, is you probably have a lot of brothers and sisters. 
Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're a Mormon, and you people breed like rabbits, which means, you yes. know, the grandchildren aren't your responsibility entirely. And you might want to send your parents the study that shows that the more children someone has uh, that a woman gives birth to, the likelier she is to have a gay child or two. So really, um, it, is, it is your mother's fault. You can say that as a Mormon with 44 siblings. <laughs> My sister knows, and, and she's okay with it. Oh, my God! You're, okay, and you are now officially not a pathetic, you know, object of sympathy and pity because you're trapped and it's so horrible. You're a closeted gay Mormon dude with a gay friend and a sister that you're out to who's supportive? You have every fucking advantage. When you come out, you're going to have an advocate in the family, your sister, who can mediate between you and your parents, Right? Yeah. You have every fucking advantage. You should come out today. <laughs> uh, the Mormon Church right. doesn't control every fucking McDonald's in the world. You can get a job and be gay. That's true. You are. This is not a problem about you being trapped in this all-encompassing, fucking controlling religious atmosphere, repressive religious situation and system. This is you hiding behind that as an excuse not to man up and do what you need to do. And you know what you need to do. And you're already doing yeah. it. If you have gay friends, you're talking to me on the phone, you're out to your sister, you're already fucking doing it. Just fucking pull the trigger. And go, have a, cigarette, and go have a cigarette and drink a cup of coffee, and you'll be fine. <laughs> Actually, don't have a cigarette. Just have a cup of coffee and suck some cock. You'll be fine. <laughs> All right. Okay. Sounds good. Do what you need to do. Move. Move. Move to Seattle. Move to San Francisco. Move to Chicago. You're 23 years old. You're a Mormon. You're probably a good-looking kid. Most Mormons are somehow. You guys are blessed that way, right? <laughs> Thank you. Right? You're um, one of those blonde-haired, blue-eyed Mormon ubermenches? Yes, that's, I'm pretty generic that way. Uh, you're pretty, you, you will get a job waiting tables in Chicago or as a bar back or in a coffee shop in an instant and make enough money to get a roommate and find an apartment and get your bearings and you'll be fucking fine and you'll meet plenty of other gay guys in your life that you can call sir if that's your thing <laughs> alright okay sounds good bye not that he really needs it because frankly the last caller was is just kind of a whiner not really trapped in an oppressive religious situation, sort of volunteering to remain in a repressive religious situation. But anyway, uh, support groups and information for fag Mormons can be found at ldsfamilyfellowship.org. There's links to other groups, other organizations, waka waka waka. You don't have to be a closeted fag Mormon, previous caller. You can be an out fag Mormon in a half an hour. Uh, just fucking stop acting like such a scrotum. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm a 21-year-old straight female, and my question has to do with, I guess, um, lack of sexual drive. But, well, basically, I was in my only relationship I've ever had was from about the age 16 to 20, so the end of high school, beginning of college. And since that boyfriend I broke up two years ago, I've been single. Um, not really much dating experience at all or hookup experience or anything like that. Um, and I find that the further I get away from that, the more scared I get of doing anything sexual. Um, I did that stuff with my 
boyfriend, but it was very high school, very um, not good, and and it, it just was kind of always a mess, ne- never very successful. And so I find now the further I get away from that, like the more scared I get of, of it, and it's keeping me from experiencing you know, new relationships because I'm so intimidated by it. I feel like, I guess you say, I feel like the 40-year-old virgin, except not 40 and not a virgin. I think your total fear of sexual contact is leading to your lack of desire, helping to create this phobia. Um, and really what you've got is a hugely inflated sense of, uh, or case of performance anxiety. Uh, you're worried that the sex will always be as bad as it was in high school. And I can assure you that however bad it was in high school, it can get worse, but it usually doesn't. Uh, high school tends to be the low point sexually for most people. And then uh, things look up after high school. So if you're looking at guys now and thinking, ah, I might as well not bother because it's going to be as bad or as mortifying or furtive or unsatisfying uh, as whatever you did with your high school boyfriend was, uh, you need to root that out. You need to change your mind. You need to tell yourself, and this is the only thing you can do, you just have to tell yourself that that is not the case, uh, although it can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. But what I think you really need to do about your quote-unquote total lack of desire is start thinking about what turns you on instead of looking outside and going, why aren't I attracted to him? Why aren't I attracted to him? Why aren't I doing anything with all those people out there? You need to look inside and think, what turns me on? What do I want to do? Um, Some women, because of the way culture treats female sexuality, find it hard to unlock their own desires, find it hard to look inside and ask themselves honestly what turns them on and uh, what are they att- what they're attracted to, men, women, whatever, uh, and then go for it. So I recommend that you start masturbating a lot. You don't mention uh, whether or not you masturbate, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that you don't uh, much because I detect that I don't masturbate tone in your voice. You need to get a vibrator, get a dildo, get a few sex toys, get some pornography, uh, visual or written pornography, get some porn tapes or get some dirty books and explore and read and look around and see if something doesn't light your fire see if something just doesn't you know hit you when you're exploring and looking around but masturbate um a lot of uh you know female sexuality is different than male sexuality and unfortunately a lot of the advice out there or a lot of the conventional wisdom about sexuality is geared toward males and then females try to assess their own sexual response or desires by this really what is a male paradigm um a lot of women find themselves becoming turned on as they begin to engage in sexual activity you know guys get horny and have sex uh is how we like to say it women begin to have sex and get horny so maybe what you need to do is start masturbating start having sex with yourself and see if you don't get horny see if the desires don't come And really push yourself, really push yourself sexually, really explore your body, really get to know your cunt, really play with yourself, really fantasize, really think, really look around. And then when you have a better sense of what's coming from inside you about what you want, when your body is talking to you, when your genitals are wired to your brain and there's a feedback loop, then you can look outside. Then you can start looking at the guys or the girls out there and see who fits into what it is your cunt is telling you that your cunt wants and needs. So, again, my prescription, start with yourself, start with solo sex, just like guys do, but pleasure yourself, see if your body doesn't ramp up 
and then look outside yourself and take a deep breath and reassure yourself that however bad it was in high school, it won't be that bad once you're grown up. And when you find that very special person, that boy or that girl that you respond to, that you want to be intimate with, be honest about where you've been and how you've been stuck. You know, a lot of people who have little hangups or they've had performance anxiety or they haven't done anything sexually or they're virgins are afraid to share that information with people uh, for fear that they'll drive those people away. So what they turn into these like weird sort of information withholding basket cases and that drives people away. Better to make yourself vulnerable, better to be honest, better to say to whoever the next person that comes along is that you decide to be intimate with that, you know, I haven't done this for a long time. I was sort of sexually shut down for a while. I'm really into you, but we're going to have to take baby steps. And the sex I had in high school, because I'm not a virgin, was very bad. You know, it wasn't really great. Um, So let's open up this world of possibilities, but let's go slow and you need to be a little careful with me. That's all you got to say. And anybody who's halfway decent, anybody that you're going to want to be intimate with, anyone that should is qualified to be intimate with you, considering where you're at psychologically, is going to take that information and be good with it. Be good to you. Be more considerate. Go slower. Take more time. Check in with you more than they might without that information. So, blah, 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 I'm ranting. Just fucking start masturbating. Please. It'll be the best thing you ever did for yourself. And then be honest with your partners when they come along. Hey, Dan. Um, so I was wondering, I've been looking or rather seeing like mentions of these websites about dolphins and how humans can have sex with dolphins and that humans actually do. So I was wondering what you think about that and whether or not that's true and whether or not it's actually physically possible and whether or not that happens. What I know about sex with dolphins is probably exactly what you know about sex with dolphins, because if you Google sex with dolphins, and it sounds like you have Googled sex with dolphins, you uh, come to a page that is uh, titled sex with dolphins, how to and a personal viewpoint. Um, this person who claims to have had sex with dolphins uh, has more information about sex with dolphins than I do, because I've never had sex with dolphins or met anyone that's had sex with dolphins. And I'm not particularly interested in meeting anyone who's ever had sex with a dolphin. Hey, Dan. Um, I am a long-time listener, and I just have a quick little question for you about a little uh, conundrum that I found myself in. Um, I am a gay male, 22, and I have been seeing a uh, partner of mine for the last two and a half years. Uh, yeah, so basically he is 26, and he is far advanced in his career, and I'm just starting mine off. Um, I'm a little concerned because right now we're on a break. Um, basically, we've taken this break because... I need my space and I need my time, but I'm a little concerned that I'm giving up something that really I shouldn't be giving up and that if I am serious about my future, I should also be serious about this relationship I'm in. Um, I haven't been completely happy in this relationship, but I'm really feeling that it could change and that things could face up for the better. Um, we went through some rough times, went away on some trips, tried to basically get ourselves back together, um, and things just are not working out. Uh, a little concerned that I wasted two and a half years of my life and that I don't want to waste any more of them if I don't know for sure this is going to work out. Don't ever be in a relationship ever again. End of the story, because you know what? None of us know for sure if they're going to work out. At the outset, or two and a half years in, or 13 years in, I'm 13 years in with my boyfriend. I don't know for sure if it's going to work out or not. My parents got divorced at 21 years. Who the fuck knows? You can't know. So get back together with him if you want to get back together with him. Don't get back together with him if you don't want to get back together with him. But you know what? I think that if you look at someone that you've been with for a couple of years, and what springs to mind is, 
I need my space and my time and not, I love this person and I want to be with this person. It hasn't worked out. It's already over. So let it be over. Stop hedging your fucking bets. Um, it's not an IRA and it's not a stock you bought this relationship. You've, you've invested two and a half years and you don't want that have to have gone to waste. It's like, stop thinking of it that way. That's so commodifying and it's kind of insulting. And you're, the person you're insulting is yourself. You're with this guy for two and a half years. You're very young. You're clearly capable of maintaining a long-term relationship. And two and a half years for gays or straights at your age is a long-term relationship. And so was it a waste? No, you learned something about yourself. You learned that you're capable of this long-term relationship shit. You learned clearly how to process crap to death. If you're, you know, two and a half years into a relationship and you're in your early 20s and you're going away on trips to talk about your fucking relationship and not like bang your fucking brains out, um, you're doing something wrong, I think. You know, I think that's probably a relationship that's not destined to last. But it can still be a success because you learn something about yourself. You learn what you're capable of. And you learned from this experience what uh, to avoid perhaps in future that this guy isn't right for you and you need to think about the reasons he wasn't right for you and find somebody else who is right for you for different reasons and not repeat the same mistake because this guy but i don't want to say the guy was a mistake it wasn't a mistake you're with somebody for a couple of years you had a nice little thing it's over clearly move on and you know what when you meet the next guy you won't know for sure that that's going to work out either you just have to take the chance. You have to roll your dice. You have to move your mice. You have to be willing to risk failure or you'll never be in a relationship with anyone ever again. And you know what? I was with a guy before I met the guy I'm with now for five years. Oh, we broke up. Oh, five years wasted. We're still friends. We see each other when we're in the same town. We have dinner together. We still have a connection. We can still reminisce about old times. He came out when my boyfriend and I had a, you know, a big anniversary party after 10 years, he came out and stayed at our house with us. Like we're all grownups and adults. So you can end this relationship and salvage something of value from it. So it wasn't a complete waste of time, but don't hedge your bets. If he ain't it, he ain't it. And you know what? Again, if you look at him and you think I need my space and time, he ain't it. My question. Well, see, I got married, right? And before I got married, I was really good. And now that I'm married, for some reason, every guy that goes by, I pretty much want to jump in. Yeah. So um, is it just a married thing? Because I've been married before and same thing pretty much happened. No, it's not a married thing. It's a you thing. There are plenty of people out there who, uh, the moment they get married, don't start staring at everybody else walking down the street. Although we all check everybody else walking down the street. You know, human beings did evolve to be monogamous. Monogamy is un natural and what we commit to um when we you know vow to only fuck one other person for the rest of our lives is to only fuck that other person for the rest of our lives not to not want to fuck anybody else for the rest of our lives clearly though you have a taboo violating turn on there's something about the naughtiness of cheating that spins your crank obviously since you're on your second marriage and this happened the first time you were married uh you need to get in front of that uh, if you haven't shared that information with your current partner, husband, uh, and if you didn't share it with him before the marriage, you should be slapped, but you should definitely share it with him now. You need to let him know about your sexual makeup and the way you work, the way your erotic imagination works. There's something about being married that just like makes you 
fucking want to cheat. And I think it's about the taboo. Clearly, it's about the taboo. It's about violating that, you know, restriction. You may not have a banana. I got to have a banana. You may not sleep with anybody else for the rest of your life. I got to fuck all these other guys I see. Some guys are turned on by that. Some guys want their wives to fuck every other guy they see. Called cuckolds. They have hot wives and they like to share and they like to watch. Um, you should marry one of those guys. They're out there and you're in demand. And you may have married one of those guys, but you don't know until you tell them. You don't know until you ask. You don't have to fuck other people, but maybe that's something you two can explore uh, through dirty talk when you're fucking around or in your fantasy life or you can jump into organized swinging. There is a way to take your desire to violate your vows uh, and fuck other people and incorporate it into the sex life that you are supposed to be sharing with your husband and to make it something that works to turn you guys on about each other and to strengthen your sexual bond instead of something that pulls you toward your second divorce. Hi, Dan. How are you? Um, I've been with my girlfriend for about nine months now, and I recently discovered that she likes dirty talk. She had a previous sex partner who used to um, like call her names and insult her with this really nasty stuff like um what was the example she gave it was like you're a cunt hungry cum dumpster i think is what she said and i'm a little disturbed by the mixed metaphor but i'm perfectly happy to try doing this with her the problem is i have really no imagination for this kind of thing i mean i tried it and the best thing i could come up with was like ooh you naughty tart which is lame right totally lame kind of disturbingly Victorian. So I was hoping that you could advise me on where I could get some inspiration for um, talking dirty. And in as much as I am a dyke, if you could recommend a book, that would be perfect. Thanks very much. Your cunt hungry cum dumpster. You heard it here first. You don't hear that every day. That's not in every podcast, is it? I wouldn't call it a mixed metaphor, though. It's a a mixed, uh, I don't know, uh, nouns, mixed nouns. Um, or adjective. I, I don't know what the fuck it is, but it's disturbing. I need to go lie down. Uh, you know what you do in this instance? You listen to podcast number 55, where we just covered dirty talk. Um, but what you need to do specifically with your girlfriend, uh, since you're clearly not qualified to engage in the kind of dirty talk that's going to work for her, if you're calling her an apple tart or whatever the fuck you called her, um, is to ask her questions. Uh, you know, you're fucking around, you've got your arm in her pussy, you, you know, you're pushing her face into your pussy, whatever it is lesbians do. I've never quite figured that out. Just ask her what she is in a sexy way. Don't let, you know, what are you? Don't make it sound like, you know, you're talking to a police officer on uh, Sesame Street about their job. You know, what the, what the fuck are you? What are you? And like, make her tell you what she is. Make her use the phrases and descriptors and insults that work for her. Make it come out of her mouth and then you know exactly what to repeat. Then you just, she's, you know, you say, what what the fuck are you? And she says, I'm a cunt hungry cum dumpster. And you say, that's right. You're a fucking cunt hungry cum dumpster. Eat my pussy that has no cum in it. Like however that extends and plays out, uh, you just go there and you roll with her, but you have to make her take some ownership. You know, when someone who likes dirty talk, and wants to hear dirty talk, they have a responsibility to make it happen for themselves. They can't just say, okay, give me some dirty talk and fly blind to somebody who's not necessarily into dirty talk or has no uh, you know, affinity for dirty talk. 
she has to lead you to the, the talk that turns around. And then, you know, you'll learn the words and phrases. You'll learn the way she likes. You'll learn the insults that she enjoys. Uh, and then you can just hammer away at them. If you want a little porn to help you, uh, you know, with the mise-en-scene, with the metaphors, uh, I would recommend Pat Califia's Macho Sluts and Pat Califia's Doing It for Daddy. Uh, Pat Califia was a lesbian for a long time. Now Pat Califia is Patrick Califia. Um, uh, you know, because of the maleness thing that's sweeping uh, the lesbian world. But whatever, I, I'm not going to go there because uh, I don't want my house burnt down. Um, but she wrote uh, books uh, that are basically, you know, 60,000 words of dirty talk, 60,000 words of cunt hungry cum dumpster, uh, but really good books and really good writing. So I recommend Pat Califia's books for you. Hi, uh, this is Chris. Um, I was listening to episode uh, 45 of your podcast, and uh, one of your podcast listeners said uh, that she's uh, met the best lover she's ever had. And uh, unfortunately, that's an ex-girlfriend of mine who I was nearly engaged to. And uh, it's uh, it's crazy. So I'm just calling uh, Dan for some advice on uh, how to move over somebody, how to get over them. Um, because, uh, yeah, I, I mined a sapphire for this girl and uh, was nearly engaged at, uh, at her, uh, not insistence, but, uh, you know, both of our agreement. And uh, something like this is like a, like a knife in the sternum. It's, uh, it's pretty tough. Wow, that's got to suck to uh, download some sex advice, skeezy sex advice podcast and hear your ex-girlfriend that you're still kind of carrying a torch for describe her current boyfriend as the best sex she's ever had um wow that that really sucks she really said that best sex she ever had with the new boyfriend when you were almost engaged with her wow man sorry just turning the knife there and salting it a little bit uh what you need to do to get over her is not listen to that podcast ever again that particular podcast that episode of this part you should always listen to this fucking podcast just not that installment of the podcast and get out there and meet the best sex you've ever had um you know, it didn't work out for whatever reasons it didn't work out. Uh, and, you know, you might have thought the sex was awesome and the sex might have been awesome. But, you know, the awesome sex you've had most recently with the person you're still feeling uh, head over heels about is going to be awesomer in your estimation than the awesome sex you had with somebody you broke up with a few years ago or a couple years ago. So I wouldn't necessarily take her comments about this guy being the best sex she's ever had to mean that you suck in bed or that you at the time weren't the best sex or even that objectively, if she fucked you side by side, that you wouldn't be the best sex still. It's just, she's looking at him through rose colored glasses. She's looking at him through the eyes of love um, and she remembers the sex that she had with you through the prism of your breakup, which is going to color her reminiscences of your time together. So man up. Don't listen to that episode ever again. Stop being such a scrotum and uh, get out there and fuck some other people. And that'll uh, put this behind you. And you can all, what, and P.S. You, if you listen to that podcast again, which I do not recommend that you do, she called and one of her complaints about her new lover was that he was a bad kisser and he rammed his tongue down her throat. That's a big deal. That's actually probably, you know, I didn't, t I didn't say this to her and hopefully she won't listen to this installment of the podcast, but that's probably going to doom the relationship. That's a sort of niggling little major thing that after a while she'll be so annoyed by his lousy kissing technique that she'll have to dump him and then she will reassess the sex she had with you who she's dumped and the sex she had with the guy who's a lousy kisser who she has dumped and she'll be able to assess them fairly because she will have dumped you both and 
I bet your stock rises at that point because you uh, are a fucking great kisser. And I'm not going to tell your ex-girlfriend how I know that. Got an email here at the podcast, which is not the way it works. But every once in a while, I like to read them, despite the over the objections of the tech savvy at risk youth uh, who think that it should all be calls and never an email. But you know what? Fuck them. It's my show, uh, even though it was their idea. My 24 <laughs> and I fucked it up. See, that's why I shouldn't read emails. My 25-year-old boyfriend of almost a year, see attached picture, recently told me that about two years ago, he had a sexual encounter with another man. The other guy was bi, no anal sex, just once. He was nervous to tell me because he thought I would run in the other direction. I really enjoy the idea of my super hot boyfriend with another man. It is the stuff my fantasies are made of. My boyfriend uh, has a problem with it, however, and he still says he feels ashamed. This stuff probably goes on all the time, but because of rampant homophobia, men don't exactly shout it from the rooftops. He listens to your podcast every week. Will you please reassure him that this is normal? Thanks, Dan. Uh, I can't reassure him that that is normal or that he is normal because nobody's normal. Everybody's a little freaky. Everybody has exceptions. I just went to see the Pipettes last night. Uh, they're a British uh, girl group uh, touring the United States. Go to their website. Find out if they're coming to your town. They're absolutely awesome. One of the three girls uh, is this sort of tough little British girl with a brown bob and a Cupid's bow mouth and a totally smoking girl body. And I was watching the show uh, with this guy, Eli, that I know. And we and Eli's straight. And Eli was like, wow, I totally – she's so fucking hot. I totally want to do her. And I looked at him and said, I was thinking the same goddamn thing. And you know what? That's not normal for me. It's not normal for me to look at girls and think I would totally fucking do her. And if I had the opportunity uh, and I was a little younger and a little singler, uh, I might. I might have just seized that moment. Your boyfriend did the same thing with this bi guy. The bi guy was an exception. This moment was exceptional. It wasn't normal for him. It's not necessarily normal for straight dudes. But you know what? Not normal is the norm. Because when he says that, you know, if he worries that it's not normal, think about what we think of as normal. Like, what do we mean when we say, you know, your sex and sexual desires are normal? I guess we mean heterosexual. I guess we mean missionary position. Now, think of the sex that people actually have. People have gay sex. Straight people have butt sex. Straight people have oral sex. Straight people sometimes masturbate together. People masturbate alone. People do all sorts of crazy, whacked out, fucked up things. At any one moment, if you took a snapshot of everybody in the world having sex at that one moment, you know what? I don't think a majority would be having missionary position heterosexual intercourse. I think a majority would be doing crazy other stuff. A majority would be still having crazy oral foreplay or having anal sex or having gay sex or whatever. So your boyfriend needs to not worry so much about what's normal. He needs to not feel so ashamed. You deserve a little bit of credit because some girls would have run in the opposite direction. I get email every day from women who are freaked out because their boyfriend had one same-sex encounter. And, oh, my God, it doesn't matter how much he eats their pussy, how many times he's fucked her. Oh, my God, that's proof he's gay. As if, as if me wanting to fuck the lead singer in the pipettes last night makes me straight. It doesn't. It just was a little exceptional, like, moment of, you know, cross-wired weirdness. And I can accept it because it doesn't undermine my sexual identity because my sexual identity is already a fucking, you know, face job on normal and what everyone's supposed to be. And your boyfriend should not worry about normal, and he should totally make out a, with a dude for you sometime and roll around with a dude for you sometime. And you know what? When he does that, when your boyfriend makes out with a dude sometime in front of you and maybe lets that other dude suck him off, even that's going to be totally hetero and totally normal. And now we have a, a response call from someone I gave a little advice to a couple of weeks ago. You may remember she's a woman, uh, and she had slept with the concierge at her, at her uh, apartment building, her mar the married concierge who has kids. And after she slept with him, 
she uh, didn't. She gave him the cold shoulder, and he was sort of being very familiar with her. Like, what right does he have to be familiar with her? Because you know he only fucked her. Uh, and she was contemplating getting him fired and how awful it was that he was doing this. But she said she did feel a little bit like a stupid whore, uh, you know, for what she had done and sleeping with the concierge. And I kind of went on and on and on about the fact that she was, in fact, a stupid whore. Um, not because there's anything, you know, necessarily whorish about fucking her concierge, even if he's a married guy with kids. Um, but because she was, you know, I thought her actions were stupid and the way she was handling it was stupid. Um, uh, and I did call her a stupid whore in that podcast over and over and over again and she called back because she had something to say to me uh hey dan hey tech savvy you this is the stupid whore from new york city <laughs> i was just calling to say uh thanks for the advice and i guess um i wanted to like let future listeners know or anybody else who called you an asshole to know that you really aren't you're you're you're, you're great because you're not malicious you're honest and i think most people feel the way feel the way you feel but don't really want to admit it because I felt like a stupid whore and you were right and I should have handled it differently and I shouldn't have, you know, everything you said was correct and usually you're right and um, you might be you might be right about him on both accounts, he might be an asshole and he might, you know, turn out to be cool if I handle this properly from here on, here on in um, but yeah, I just thought it was really funny and really great and thanks and sometimes you know, you just need to hear somebody fucking call you a stupid whore so you can get back in line um thanks a lot and uh keep doing what you're doing bye all right we've gone around the world we got lesbian dirty talk we got closeted gay cowards we got gay hedge fund relationship managers we got we got it all including uh stupid fucking whores and i hope everybody enjoyed the stupid fucking podcast and we'll come back next week for another installment of my stupid fucking podcast uh the savage Lovecast. The phone number here, if you'd like to record something for a future stupid fucking podcast, 206-201-2720. And you download the stupid fucking podcast every week at thestranger.com slash savage. Uh, Have a good week, everybody. Get laid this weekend. Have a life crisis. Give me a call.